Amen. Uh, if you would, let's go ahead to the book of Ezra again. Again, we're in this series. Y'all sit down. We're in the series Genesis to Revelation, Guided Work. Genesis to Revelation, Guided Work. So we're going to walk through several verses, and I hope this will bless you this morning. Oh, man. And, you know, the old folks say, can we just let the Lord have his way? You know, I just want to um, walk through this book and um, hopefully, amen. Uh, if you would, let's go ahead to the book of Ezra again. Again, we're in this series. Y'all sit down. We're in the series Genesis to Revelation, Guided Work. Genesis to Revelation, Guided Work. So we're going to walk through several verses, and I hope this will bless you this morning. Oh, man. And, you know, the old folks say, can we just let the Lord have his way? You know, I just want to um, walk through this book and um, hopefully set us set us set our faces towards the lord yeah so ezra chapter 7 6 through 10 i'm gonna read through the nlt and listen you can look at whatever version you want to but it would help to look at the new living translation as well so you can see what verses i'm reading because it'll make a little bit more sense ezra chapter 7 verse 6 through 10 and then i'm gonna jump around it's important that I start at chapter 7. It'll make sense in a minute. Everybody ready? All right, here we go. Ezra 7, 6 through 10. This Ezra was a scribe who was well-versed. Somebody said well-versed. In the law of Moses, which the Lord, the God of Israel, had given to the people of Israel. He came up to Jerusalem from Babylon. And the king gave him everything he asked for. Isn't that amazing? Gave him everything he asked for. The gracious hand of the Lord, his God, was on him. Some of the people of Israel as well as some of the priests, Levites, singers, gatekeepers, and temple servants traveled up to Jerusalem with him in the seventh year of King Artaxerxes' reign. Ezra arrived in Jerusalem in August of that year. He had arrived, he had arranged to leave Babylon on April 8th, the first day of the new year, and he arrived at Jerusalem on August 4th, for the gracious hand of his God was on him. Look at the why. This was because Ezra had determined to study and obey the law of the Lord and to teach those decrees and regulations to the people of the Lord. Isn't that amazing? Why was the gracious hand of the Lord on him? <laughs> because he had determined y'all to study the, 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 the law of the Lord. He had he determined uh, to teach folk. He determined uh, to obey. Amen. Uh, let's go ahead and pray and then we'll jump right in this. God, we just thank you. We ask that you would speak this morning in an amazing way, uh, that you bless somebody who is going to be watching a uh, video and someone who will be listening on podcast. I ask that you would impact them. Uh, somebody who isn't saved, I ask that you would save them. Uh, somebody who is saved that just needs hope, I ask that you give them hope and speak in Jesus' name. Bless us. Be with us, Lord God. Empower us uh, to live for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, let me just start off like this. 
God didn't need Ezra and God don't need us. He's introduced at chapter seven because God was using some other folks before we get to Ezra. That's big because that lets us know even with our present context in Whitehaven or in the city or uh, whatever, uh, say, job or role you take, that God was working before you got there. Y'all feel me? Uh, God don't need us in the hearts. God is at work stirring in the hearts. You ever felt like your heart was stirred to do something big? You ever felt like you wanted to do something that was bigger than you? This is the task at hand. The, the assignment on these people was bigger than them, right? So we need God to stir our hearts if they're going to do something bigger than, big, bigger than us, right? Uh, because if, if we just moving on our own unction, it's going to fail. <laughs> Amen? So here is God stirring the heart. If we look at Ezra 1.1, 1, 1, uh, we see that there was something happening. Y'all see Ezra 1.1? 1, 1? It said that he stirred the heart of Cyrus to put this proclamation in writing and to send it throughout the kingdom. So here you see God stirring in the heart of leadership who was unsaved. These folk, this, this person had no relationship with, with, the, with the God of the universe. He, had a, he was a pagan king. And here is God doing something in this pagan king's heart because God can. God can use unlikely people to get his mission accomplished. Isn't that right? He can use anybody he wants to. He can stir in the heart of people that we don't choose. We don't get to choose who God chooses. We don't get to choose who God uses. God is stirring in the heart of King Cyrus, but he's also stirring in the heart of another group. Look at verse 5 in the same chapter. Then God stirred, y'all see that? The hearts of the priests, the Levites, the leaders of the tribes of Judah, and Benjamin to go. So he stirs in their hearts. And now God shows us through scripture what he stirred in their hearts to do. Because you ever talk to somebody who's really excited to do something? And you'd be like, I see you're excited, but you're excited to do what? What's that? What's the plan? What's it going to look like? You know? And here is what they were stirred in the heart to do. They had clarity. Verse 5, to go. They were going to go somewhere different. God was stirring their hearts to leave where they were. Make sense? And it's like, man, something's, you, you've been there before, right? Where you feel like, man, I, I need to go to this school. I need to go to this city. I need to go, I need to go to this, this um, store. I need to go talk to this person in this community. I need to go to this restaurant. Just a stirring in the heart to go. It's movement. Whenever God stirs us to do something, we're not going to stay in the same place. We got to move. So they're, they're being stirred to go, verse 5. They're being stirred to build. We're going to put our hands to work. We're going to build something. We're, gonna, we're being stirred to work. So we're being stirred to go or to leave, right? And if you just take, just take an inventory of your life real quick, just think about it. How many times you've left a certain place, not because you just didn't like it, but because God was moving you. Just think about that, man. Like, man, God was in that. Man, just like, oh, God was in that. And sometimes you don't even know it's him until you get there. Sometimes you move and you, you're not really sure and then he confirms it after the move. I've had it happen often. And you're like, I think this is God, you know? And that's why you can't tell a whole bunch of folk. You just got to have wise counsel. <laughs> so you might want to tell 10 friends. He's saying, now just talk to three. <laughs> and somebody can help you walk through that. But then after the, the go and the build, there's another one that God does in, in chapter two. He stirs the hearts of the people to give. Uh, chapter two 
verse 68. Let's look at 68 and look at verse, uh, was it 68 and 69? So, man, one thing that God showed me was this. You're not truly invested until you're invested. <laughs> you feel me? You can't talk about what you what you all in in until you all in. You're not invested until you invested. You know, man, where your, where your heart is, there will your money be too. You know, it's it's the truth because we invest in what we what we believe in. You know, man, you really like a woman. You know, you gonna go on a date, man. You gonna man that first date. You gonna be invested. You gonna you gonna pull out all the stops if you can afford it. You feel me? Because you are invested in making the best impression. You know, so you might be broke. Man, but you're going to find some money. You have set, you have cut costs this week. Now, I ain't going to Starbucks this week because I got to make sure I have enough saved up for this tip because <laughs> I need to let her know that I can play, I can pay for this, right? Because if your card bounces, you need to make sure you got some money on you. Yeah, you invested. Yeah, yeah. So you look at verse 68 and verse 69. That's what it says. And when they arrived at the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem, some people, some, some of the family members made voluntary offerings. Did nobody force them to give? Why didn't anybody have to force them to give? Because God had already stirred in their hearts. Isn't that amazing? There they wasn't no get rich. I mean, no, no get rich kind of quick uh, gimmicks like if you give, God going to bless you a hundredfold right now. It wasn't none of that. Man, didn't nobody come out with a with a wig on and a wet Jerry curl tomorrow. You need to get right now. You're going to be struck down. Man, nobody condom because a stirring had happened in their hearts. Man, they voluntary, they they voluntarily give, and it says, man, there's a voluntary offering towards the rebuilding of God's temple on its original site, and each this is verse sixty nine, and each leader gave as much as he could. Y'all see that? He gave as much as he could. It wasn't like, all right, now give this and go find something else. Gave as much as they could, and nobody's beating over beating them over the head. Now, this is where it gets good to me right here. I look at this amount. The total of their gifts came to 61,000 gold coins. Just give me three gold coins. I'll be all right. Can you imagine that? 61. That's an investment right there. But it wasn't just one person. And it, and this is the other beautiful thing. You don't get to see just right here um, who gave what amount you just know that everybody was invested everybody gave a voluntary offering wasn't no man you know saying fred gave five dollars charles gave twenty dollars you, you know what i'm saying because can't nobody do no unhealthy comparisons everybody voluntarily give then you see six thousand two hundred fifty pounds of silver Woo! and a hundred robes for the priests because the priests had to be in garments specified for worship in that blessing, the people were invested in making sure that the priest did it right. Don't don't miss that. For like, nah, bro, you know you can't be going there with your jeans on. <laughs> you know when you walk in the temple, you walking there with your jeans on, you gonna die on the spot. You gonna make sure you got make sure you got the right road because if you die, who gonna lead us in worship? <laughs> it was a collective effort because their hearts were stirred, y'all. Verse uh, chapter three, verse one. This was this is beautiful. In early autumn, when the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled. Listen to this in Jerusalem with a unified purpose. They were all unified. Isn't that beautiful? 
Because if everybody's heart is being stirred by the Lord, we ought to be unified. Y'all get that? If, if God is doing the stirring, man, we ought to be on one accord. Man, we ought to be unified. And man, and I've met people that they had a desire to be seen and, and to be heard, but they weren't unified. They weren't trying to make no sacrifices. But these leaders, check this out. It was the leaders who set the example. It was the leaders, the priests, the Levites, the leaders who were setting the example for all the people showing that they were unified because all the leaders did it first. If you, if you say God gave you a vision to do something, then you got to do it first. Man, how I look like <laughs> not being invested in what I believe God showed me. Ain't that something? Right, I need everybody else to get on board. What about you, Pat? Nah, I ain't, I'm, I'm waiting to see what you're going to do. Nick, bro, you crazy. <laughs> you feel what I'm saying? You got to be invested. It's like you buy a house and you asking all your neighbors to pay for it. I need y'all to pay my, my light bill. Keep it on. That's your house. Let's see what you do first. So here they are. Everybody's, everybody's invested and, and they're willing to do it. They're willing to give. Now, this is, this is what the craziness that happens. The people were afraid. And we don't get that at first. What we get is that God stirred their hearts. But here they encounter fear. Let's look at verse 3. Verse 3, chapter 3. Even though the people were afraid, do y'all see that? Of the local residents, they rebuilt. Even though they were afraid, they did it afraid. Y'all get that. Don't miss that. Even though they were afraid, they rebuilt. They felt something that was uncomfortable that they didn't like, and they still did what God put on their heart to do. And I say it often, sometimes you got to do it afraid. Man, God put on your heart, do it afraid. Man, do it afraid. And you don't know what the outcome's going to be. Just do it afraid. Just, just do it afraid, man. <sighs> there was a mixture going on of some things that I'll get to in, in just a minute. But you have a uh, uh, something that impacted them that that kind of grieved me. Um, if you look at verse 13, 12 and 13 of chapter 3, it says that, but many of the older priests, now y'all see that, if they were older priests, they also mean they were, what kind of priests? If they were older priests, that means that they were also younger priests. Y'all get that? So different age brackets. Uh, but many of the older priests, Levites, and other leaders who had seen the first temple, this is where we get in the tradition, they wept aloud when they saw the new temple's foundation. The others, however, were shouting for joy. Verse 13, the joyful shouting and weeping were mingled together in a loud noise that could be heard far in the distance. So you got some groups, man, they're, they're praising the Lord. Yeah, look at what God has done. And another group who's crying. They're weeping. But despite how they felt, they were all unified. Even one group, even though one group was sad because it wasn't what they came from. It wasn't the tradition of grandmama and them. They still helped build. And God didn't say, you, you, you can't be sad about this. He didn't say, stop your emotion. They were able to weep. They were able to feel their feelings. And, and, and the people who had joy didn't tell the people who were crying, stop all that crying. You messing up the celebration. Man, they, everyone had a unified purpose, so everyone allowed everyone to feel their feelings about it. 
That's good stuff. Man, I've seen people die. seen people leave. You, you got mixed emotions, but everybody said, man, despite what's happening, Mariah, we're going to keep on building. We still unify. Amen? Here we go. So what happens while they unify and they building? The enemies come. Not just one enemy, several enemies. You ever been on a mission trying to get something and you got enemies coming? Could be an old girlfriend. Could be a task collector. <laughs> could, could be a medical bill you didn't expect in the, in the mail. That's an enemy. <laughs> you feel me? Some some unexpected trial comes. Like, oh, my gosh, here, here is an enemy. In, in chapter four through five are enemies to the building process. That's what they got. And the enemy was totally invested in their discouragement. Your enemy and my enemy is totally invested in us being discouraged. That's heavy, isn't it? Totally invested. Man, to stop the work from happening, what discouragements have kept you and I over the past, even up to today, from working? What discouragements, think about it, have slowed us down? And we ain't talking about like a one-time thing. We're talking about the same thing. It just come looking differently. They're dealing with the same discouragement, the same thing. Look at verse, uh, look at chapter four, verse two. They, they were trying to impose their help on them. Let us help. They don't want to really help. They really want to just be involved so they could destroy stuff. <sighs> Some people act like they really with you. They're not with you. People call them what, frenemies? It's like, let us help. And then the leader's like, no, nah, man, you can't have any parts of this, you know? And sometimes you got to give people the hard reality. I can't let you help in this area, you know? And people don't like that. But I I, I need you. I, I can't really worry about your emotion when we got to do what God said to do. Amen? 4-4. Four, four. Kept trying to discourage them. 4, 5, and 6. Man, people were bribed to come frustrate them. To, hey, I need you to come help us frustrate these people. Isn't that something? Dang. People, man, enemy. That's why I said they were totally invested in stopping the work. There are enemies totally invested in seeing you fail. There are people totally invested in stopping whatever God wants you to do. Totally invested from keeping you from being a good father or a good wife or a good friend or a good student. Totally invested. They want to see you fail your class. Totally invested. Want to man introduce you to something that messes up your health. Totally invested. And will and will pay. Will pay other people in some way to help get you distracted. Help you'd be discouraged. Man, people were totally invested on, man, all right, they post something ugly about you, totally invested. 50 million people share the same post to criticize you. Totally invested. 50 million shares, totally invested on IG and Facebook. Am I making sense? There are people who are totally invested, and there are people who like this stuff. They live for it. They live to talk about people and criticize people and say, you ain't no good. And this is what they did in verse 6, chapter 4. They started accusing them. They started slandering them, all, all, attacking your character. You feel me? Man, Man, the word talks about how the enemy is the accuser of the brethren, brethren meaning all believers, constantly accusing us. And sometimes it's not just other people accusing us. We hear that enough, we start accusing ourselves. Think about it. You become, a, you become your own enemy, echo chamber, repeating what you're hearing. Man, I guess I am like that. Man, nah, I can't do that. And it slows us down. Slow. I've been there. I know what it's like. Man, you get stuck. 
They call it stuck in a rut. And then you become your own worst enemy. Some people think you're depressed. You ain't just depressed. You're just having a bunch of bad days. You know, it might look like depression, but it's just a bunch of bad days. It's like, I can't shake it. And then for some people, it is clinical depression because they don't, they can't get out of it. And the enemy loves it. Verse 13, chapter 4, more lies. This is what the, the enemies are saying to people in authority. Well, you know they ain't gonna pay the, they ain't gonna pay their taxes. They're not gonna pay, they're not gonna pay tribute to you, King. They're not gonna honor you. They're not gonna be invested in the in the in the in the, in the country. And then verse 16 says, they're gonna revolt. They got a history of uh, trying to revolt again. They're gonna, you know they're gonna protest against you. You know they're gonna march. Every the I'm going to say it again. The enemy was totally invested in stopping the work. Y'all see that? I want you to think about what areas of your life is the enemy totally invested in stopping your work. Do, man, do an analysis. Analysis is like, okay, man, what is this? What is some inventory? Man, where, where in my life am I the most discouraged? And why? What are those things that are challenging me? Who are those people? Man, it might be family and friends. Because the people that were talking about helping, man, they were they were somewhat related to them. Okay? But they had no parts in being uh, part of the building process. Now, this is where, where it gets crazy. The work did stop. It, it, it stopped. They, they, they totally stopped the work. If you look at uh, 424. 424. So the work of the temple of God in Jerusalem had stopped. Guess how long? Over a dozen years, almost 16 years. It's a long time. You see that? Stopped. Just, just, just no more. Now, you want some hope? Come and give you some hope. It ain't no false hope. It's real hope. Y'all ready? Look at 5-5. Five, five. Five five, everybody see five five? But because their God was watching over them, the work stopped, Charles, but God was watching over them. Man, that's a blessing. Even though the work stopped, God never left them. Even that means the stirring never stopped. They had a legitimate issue. It wasn't that they just were discouraged. They literally had authorities in place that, that, that prevented their work from being done. So it wasn't that they were being disobedient to stopping the work. They had, they had hindrances that really prevented them from getting. Man, it's like trying to get a building and trying to get it approved and trying to get uh, some kind of uh, um, legal, uh, um, uh, legal, legal passes, right? So let's say you're trying to get something inspected. And somebody keeps hindering. Man, we ain't going to let them get that building open. You know, they're trying to have their worship over there. We don't need no more churches. We need a liquor store. Re you feel me? Real stuff. Man, we're going to have us another, some more payday loans. Yeah, it, real hindrances. So, th so they didn't stop because they were being disobedient. But they were, being, but they were discouraged. And they were afraid. And they were frustrated. I would be. And the work ceased for over a dozen years. Y'all feel that? It ceased for that long. But God was watching over them. And God's watching over us. You feel that? Yeah. When it seemed like nothing has happened, God is still at work because he's watching over us. 
And I need to know that so I don't become hopeless. You need to know it too. Man, when it feels like nothing's happening, it feels like everything stopped, it feels like you're not moving forward, God is watching over us. And when God is ready, he'll stir up the hearts of other people in authority so the work can start again. That's heavy, isn't it? So what happens? When you get to chapter 6, God stirs up the heart of King Darius. God was at work in a new person, in a new person of authority. And here we get introduced to Ezra in chapter 7. Y'all follow me? So all through all six, we have this decree that came from Darius because God had done something in, in him. Man, let the temple be rebuilt. Come on now. Pick that work. Go ahead. Yes. And, and, and have whatever you want. That's what he did in him. Whatever you want. Go ahead. Go ahead. Because before Ezra could be introduced, the people in authority had to be stirred. So when Ezra steps on the scene, the king's heart was already ready. Y'all get that? When God God puts a new person in place, the king was already ready because God was watching. God stood up his heart. And here we got chapter 7 through 10. God was working through Ezra. And what did Ezra do? Ezra starts equipping the leaders. He needs to equip those leaders. They've been discouraged and frustrated all that time. You think so? Yeah, they need to be equipped. It says in verse uh, 711, King Artaxerxes had given a copy of the following letter to, to Ezra the priest, the scribe who studied and taught the commands and decrees of the Lord to Israel. That's major. Man, he studied and he taught the commands. and the, he, So he didn't just have devotion by himself. He didn't just sit around consuming stuff for himself, right? But he taught what he what he taught what he learned. And what I like about verse 10, it says that he also obeyed it. You ever had people try to tell you something they weren't living? No, Ezra was living it. He studied God's word. He lived God's word and he taught God's word. Y'all get that? Yep. He, he didn't just try to study and teach. He didn't just try to live it on his own. It was all that. He studied. Man, he obeyed it and he taught. That ought to be our word. That ought to be for us. Man, I study God's word. I obey God's word and I teach God's word. And your teaching doesn't have to look like anybody else. It might be in, man, come on, we're just going to go, go for a walk. We'll go to the park. It might be in a conversation, right? It doesn't have to be from a classroom setting or from a pool pit to teach God's word, right? I'm going to teach you good work ethic and good character, man. Teach God's word, but live it at the same time. And he's equipping these leaders. He spends his time equipping the leaders with the word of God. Now, here is where it gets heavy again. As he's doing this, he realizes that there has been sin amongst the people. Now, remember all that time that the work had stopped? Ooh, we got some sin that happened. We get to verse uh, uh, verse uh, 7, uh, sorry, chapter 7, verse 27 through 28. He's praising the Lord. He's in prayer. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, God will talk to you when you're in prayer. 
He, he's spending time with the Lord. He's praying. He's praising the Lord for what he did. He's like, Lord, you're unfailing love. Thank you for honoring me, man, doing all this. Thank you for returning all these people. I praise the Lord. He's just blah, 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 going in, going in. You know, we would have spoken an unknown tongue. He's just going in. <laughs> doing this thing. Thank you, Lord. Like, real talk. It's a whole lot of prayer, a whole lot of prayer. And the gracious hand of the Lord was on him. And this is what happens. He starts weeping and he starts repenting. When you get to chapter uh, 9 through 10, why? Because the men had started marrying the pagans, women of the city. Now, why is this so bad? Because that relationship would have turned the people's hearts away from God. And anything that will turn our hearts away from the Lord is sin. Anybody, anything, man, and relationships get at the heart. Come on now, man, what's more precious in the heart than marriage? You have made covenant with somebody, and he didn't want them to make covenant with idols. Y'all get where I'm going? They had made covenant relationships with people that worshiped other gods and now Ezra when we look at Ezra chapter 10 verse uh, 3 through 44 he's having to now deal with this sin in the midst of trying to rebuild the temple now now the people are the distraction they become their own enemy y'all feel the way to that at first it was some outside folk now it's some inside folk they are their own enemy because they didn't obey the law and now Ezra, in the midst of having to equip and teach the, the leaders, he goes into prayer and he's like, dang, we got sin we got to deal with. That's a distraction. It's like, man, come on, man. We got to deal with this. And, and this is why it makes me so sad, y'all, is because their sin affected women and children. It affected women and children. Man, it was so traumatic. Here's the harsh reality. Verse, uh, chapter 10, verses 2 through 3. Chapter 10, 2 through 3. Man, he, he, he's um, dealing with this harsh reality of, man, they, 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 y'all been unfaithful to our God. And they're like, man, yeah, we've been unfaithful to our God. We, we married these pagan women. And this is where it really hit my heart. Verse 3. Let us now make a covenant with God to divorce our pagan wives and to send them away with their children. Because of their sin, these women and these children got to deal with trauma. And people could read this and feel like God is uncompassionate. But we ain't more compassionate than God. Well, I would have done this. You don't know what you would have done. You would have sinned too. Because what the people showed is they couldn't wait until they got to Jerusalem and got settled. In their, in their impatience, I just got to have this woman. I got to be in a relationship. Got to be happy. I need to have some sex. I've been lonely all this time. I need to increase my seed. It's all about me. And the family suffered. They produced kids that weren't even involved. Kids that weren't even born would have to suffer and be fatherless. Women would have to leave and be single and raise these kids by themselves because the men sinned. The men 
sinned. The men did not obey. The men. And they had to send them away. A generation of impatient people who couldn't wait on God. I want to do what I want to do. What I want to leave us with. That God is at work. Just wait to see what he's going to do. Don't rush into nothing. Take your time. And obey the law that he's put on your heart. Even when it don't feel good. Because if we do something that is outside of his word, we're not just going to hurt ourselves. We're going to hurt some other folks as well. Amen. Amen. God, we just thank you. I know this stuff is heavy, but Lord, I ask that you convict us so that we would live right. In Jesus' name, I pray and thank you. Amen.